Están pendientes a ti, pero tú puesta pa' mí, haciendo que me odien más, porque todos te quieren probar. Lo que no saben es que no te dejas llevar de cualquiera, y todos te quieren probar. Lo que no saben es que hoy yo te voy a buscar. Yeah, yeah. Dile que tú eres mía. another episode of Song Mess. My name is Richard Villegas. And I'm Beverly Bryan. And uh, we have a special, special treat for you all today, a crossover in the making that's taken several years. Um, and I, I'm so excited to be doing this again with you, Beverly. Yeah, no, this is this is a very, very special episode of Song Mess. <laughs> um, all right. Well, if, I mean, if you guys already read the title of the episode, you know what's up. But I'm going to save that little treat for you uh, after we uh, listen to the rest of the song. Uh, this is Mia by Bad Bunny featuring Drake. Uh, hit for the fall Así que pónganse su suéter And like do some perreo And we'll be right back Cuffing season so incredibly pleased uh, to have not only the legendary Beverly Bryan back in the building, but also the icons of Radio Menea. OMG, <laughs> gracias. Wow. I'm, I feel so special. Absolutely. I mean, you guys are. Like, you've been out here killing it for, I mean, as as long as we have, you know? Yeah, you know, yeah. we're trying. I feel mm-hmm. like all of the, all of, like, you know, Latinos Who Lunch and us and you, we all sort of got the podcast bug at the same time. It was, like, mm-hmm. three years ago. It's we were true. all like, this is what we're going to start doing, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's so a great. Big bang. 
Well, and we we trailblazers. We also like uh, had you Vito on the show once before yes. for this yeah. like weird mm-hmm. hybrid moment. Oh my with god, where I brought all this country music. And it was so. Good. I definitely listened to that episode and was like, "What? Who is this Vito? I don't know her." <laughs> I mean, shout out to the to the what was her name uh, to the Carrie Underwood uh, sing along yes. that we had. Oh my god, yeah. we did. Instagram and, was on fire that day. It was. It was just too good. I wasn't on that episode, but I was just like. Wow, you guys are all some of the smartest people that I've ever heard in conversation together. I'm just dying. <laughs> it was the day that we talked shit about our co-hosts and we're like, bye. We're going on our own thing. Yeah, I'm just trying not to be jealous. This singles <laughs> episode. Ladies, leave your co-hosts at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. basically. Um, so, well, so uh, this crossover has been many years in the making, as we already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so excited to have you here. Now, for the listeners out there who may not know you which girl get your life together um right. <laughs> please uh introduce yourselves uh, i haven't even said your names yet i just said Radio yeah Manette. yeah um, so please introduce yourselves for for newcomers so i'm vero valletti flores and i'm miriam suela perez <laughs> are we doing our intro i feel like you're like keying up our intro <laughs> Well, um, I, yeah, so we both co-host Radio Manea, which is a Latinx music podcast that, um, basically that's the only parameter is that the artists are Latino. That's it. Um, and so we bring like weirdo, like electronic experimental shit by Latinx artists, or we bring like you know, Maluma, or we bring, like, you know, like, folks that are doing indie pop, or we bring bachata or salsa, Mm -hmm. and, you know, usually I bring more of the underground stuff, and Perez does more of the Mm -hmm. mainstream stuff, but, you know, there's, it Mm -hmm. goes all sorts of ways. So, what's your origin story? Like, how did you start doing the podcast together? Oh, my God. Perez, Mm -hmm. do you want to talk about this? Yeah, I love this story. We were texting, um, and it was the night of the Latin Grammys, like, actually, like, around this time, three years ago. I think the Latin Grammys are coming up next week. Yep. And I was watching, like, all the stories on Snapchat, and I was just like, Veto, how do we get an invite to the Latin Grammys? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, why don't we start a podcast? Um, and so that idea quickly got out of hand. And it, I mean, it took us a few months, maybe, like, six months to get it together and figure it out. But then Radhi Manet was born. Oh, my God, what an incredible spark. It. I yeah. know. And the funny thing is we've never actually actively tried to get an invite to the Latin Grammy. <laughs> yeah, it's just was like the passive like reason right. why we like, like we, want right. decided to We've never start. actually like, oh, yeah, sure. Although, we go to the Latin Grammys. Right. <laughs> you guys have a proper year, website, right? We do have yeah, a proper no, we website. Could, that's the thing. We've never even tried to email we like their could. PR I people. Know. I mean that's the funny part, I know. I know. We and just actually didn't Bobby, even try. <laughs> Fav, there was a minute where Favi Fav from Latinos Lunch had to connect because it's in Vegas, and but right. it, it never came together. Yeah. It hadn't come together. So someday, but I feel like once we get there, then it's like, are we done? Because we've met our goal, you know. <laughs> well, I'll tell so, I'll tell you anyway. this because like um you know I, I've been living in Mexico City now uh, for a few months, and I have a lot of friends in media down there, and um I have a friend uh, who I'm also kind of maybe mentoring a little bit, like at least giving him pointers and like mm-hmm. helping him with contacts. Mm-hmm. And he said like he's like he was he has had a blog for like two years and he just like got a domain and like turned it into a legit proper website and he was really excited about that because he was like 
you know, a lot of uh, media outlets will take you far more seriously and like and yeah. give you like the sort of like uh, press passes and all that jazz um, if you have a, a like yeah. a domain. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, no, we have it all. We have it all. It's just like funny that it's not actually become a focus at all. But we were already the kind of friends who were texting about music all the time. Yeah. Like we're both pretty big music heads. And so and we've known each other for like 10 years now through reproductive justice organizing. Mm. And so really it was more of an excuse to geek out on music and, and yeah, our, our kind of shtick is that we have really different tastes. And so our episodes are really can take you all across the map in some pretty wild ways um, because of that. So, and I love that. I mean, it's really, it really is opposite ends of, of the spectrum here. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yep, yep. well, we have a lot of show ahead. Um, I would love mm-hmm. it if you could, uh, I mean, and we're, we're going to lay it out by like sections, you know, like, um, you guys did, an episode recently on Radio Menea with uh, with uh, uh, podcasting premix um, <laughs> Favi Fav, and um, you know, a, a kind of like about his love story. And I was like, oh, this is kind of a good format for for us. You know, just like we could talk about you, we could talk about like the work that you do with your love of music, your taste, your backgrounds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we're gonna be doing this a little bit like Young Perez, Young Vero, you know, That's coalescing right. identities and then like current tastes. Um, I'm super into this because, and I'm going to keep pushing this theme. This is our 101st episode. So it's hey. Radio Menea 101 <laughs> intro hey. to Vero and Perez. It is yes. absolutely nice. that. Nice. That's cute. That's cute. I like Enter that. the queer dragon. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, before, before we, we go further, I want to talk a little bit about the song that we opened up the show with. Uh, again, this is Mia by Bad Bunny and it's featuring Drake. And uh, I believe, Vero, this is one of your picks. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. This is one of the current Veto picks. So I think this is a, a song that I'm really into. I've been really, um, I have a huge crush on Bad Bunny right mm. now. Mm-hmm. I could see that, yeah. I, he's, I feel <laughs> like he's Conejo not Malo, even like, like attractive in like a traditional way. He's, But I find, it, I don't know, there's something about him. I just have a huge crush on Bad Bunny. And I, he just makes jams, you know. Um, and the thirst traps he posted oh, on Instagram. The thirst oh. traps he posts. I bet he has a it. really pretty dick. If if we need to talk about <laughs> big dick energy, wow. um, if yes. anyone who's in um, reggaeton or Latin trap right now, he he would be the one who has. That, I would say. I also well, I don't know if this is too graphic, but like from the from the uh, from the Insta traps that he posted, it wasn't so much about big dick energy, but it was about thick dick energy. Yes, uh, girl, I'm like, about girth. Okay, but like <laughs> girth Brooks, baby. I am a bitch who wow. is about girth. Big dick energy well, isn't really about I'm whether blushing. or not you even have a penis. <laughs> so Correct. that is neither here nor there. <laughs> we just wanted to talk about girth. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm glad my mom doesn't listen to this song. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell her about it. No. Well, we're about to jump into uh, the 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 young Pettis days, the 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 origin story, um, and um, so I want to talk because I know that you are. Uh, I think you're from Florida, but your family's from Cuba. Is that correct? My family's from Cuba. I'm not from Florida, even though most of my people are. I'm from North Carolina. Oh. But my family, I had a lot of family in Miami. So I spent like summers there with my abuelos and stuff like that. But I actually was born and raised in North Carolina. So hmm. complicated. But yes, both my parents are immigrants from Cuba. So um, we are going to start with a Gloria Stefan song. And so mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, again, your Cuban heritage and sort of how that has shaped your, your music tastes. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's it's a huge, huge part of, of who I am and the music that I love. And this song, which is Mi Tierra from the album called Mi Tierra, that's kind of like, I think, her most iconic 
album that really reached like the Cuban American population, but also other Latinos in the U.S. Um, I think it was it came out in the early '90s, if I'm not wrong. Um, and I mean, Gloria Stefan was actually my first concert. I was four years old. Oh my god! I was t- I was told that I fell asleep during the conga. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Um, How was that possible? I, was a baby. <laughs> I know. I mean, I was four. <laughs> it was late. <laughs> So, yeah. So Miami is a huge, I mean, in some ways Miami feels more like home than North Carolina, mm. but my parents had work in North Carolina. And so they, I joke that I grew up like in exile from the exile. Gag. <laughs> Cubans, <laughs> Cubans are actually like one of the least geographically diverse um, immigrant groups in the U.S. And yeah, especially they got, like, among Latinos. in Miami, they got Cubans in Jersey and like, that's it. And that's it. Yeah, that's it. It's I like some wild percentage of Cuban Americans are like, yeah, in South Miami, in South Florida or in, in Union City, New Jersey. You can barely yeah. get a decent yeah. Cuban sandwich in New York City. Don't get me started. I mean, yeah. I grew up in South hard. Florida. I should probably point that out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you can. Got it. It's really got it. Sad. Yeah. It's hard. Cuban food outside of South Florida is tough. I think. Have you ever been so, to Cuba or like uh, by yourself yeah. or with family? So I went for the first time um, two and a half years ago. I went with my mom. Oh, cool. It was her first time back in 55 years. Damn. So it was intense. Yeah, it was intense. Was it very painful um, or more nostalgic? You know, she's not a huge feelings person. So unlike me. Team not um, on so team feelings. Hashtag I know. Team feelings. I know she's she's not although she has she takes issue when I say this but she, when I asked her like how she was feeling she's like it feels like watching a movie like I think she was a little bit disconnected also to be fair like the pain of having to leave your home at, she was 13 and like the migration process was really difficult because she was separated from her parents for um, a good chunk of time they mm. sent the kids ahead because of um, kids above a certain age were being um, sent to the like campo to cut cane, like all sort of stuff that was happening with the communist government. So they sent her and her sister ahead and that was really hard for her. So anyway, you know, it's a pay- really painful process. So I don't judge how she relates to it. But for me, it was mostly just this feeling of like, well, I feel connected to this place that I've never been to, but has entirely shaped my life. You know, like being Cuban American is like such a big part of who I am and my parents and my family and everything. And so, and I did actually feel, I felt some connection. It's particularly to like the earth, like the, like the the tierra, right? The, the plants, the trees, the air, like that stuff felt, there was some familiarity to me that, you know, I can only explain through sort of like lineage. Um, but, but yeah, it was, it was, it was incredible. I want to spend more time there, but it was important to me to go for the first time with, you know, my, my mom, with one of my parents, my father will never go back. So that wasn't mm. really an option, I but cause he's very conservative and kind of falls along the sort of really super, um, right wing Cuban American lines, Yikes. but my mom was a little more open. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I went with her and we saw, you know, I saw my grandparents, business that is no longer obviously and like the house where she grew right. up and like the whole nostalgia tour so it's it's a thing i've written a few essays about it if people want to read more about it but yeah um, and we and yeah. we would be happy to link to that in the description sure. yeah uh, i'm happy to do that um all right well that is a a wonderful wonderful intro so we're gonna listen to gloria stefan now the song is mi tierra and we will be right back with more radio menea Santa, oigo ese grito de los tambores y los timbales al cumbancha, y ese pregón que canta un hermano que de su tierra vive lejano, que el recuerdo le hace llorar, una canción que vive entonando de su dolor, de su propio llanto, y se le escucha penar. La tierra te duele. 
cada calle que va mi pueblo tiene un quejido, tiene un lamento, tiene nostalgia como su voz. Esa canción que sigue entonando, corre la sangre y sigue llegando con más fuerza el corazón.
pero con miedo no se tapa el sol So the second track we just heard there uh, was by Son by Four, which is a name I have not heard in a solid decade. Whoa. <laughs> um, and You're that welcome. Was You're welcome. A Puro Dolor. Uh, this is the salsa version because there is a ballad. Um, mm-hmm. You better believe it. And I've definitely heard both. Yeah. Um, Perez, this was all you. Talk uh-huh. to us. All me. You know, this is, this. I think I brought to our pilot episode and it's just, it's one of these songs that when people who are Latinx or like around my age or older hear it for the first time again, they're like, oh my God, thank you. Like, I love this song. So it just feels like one of those throwbacks that everyone's forgotten, but everybody loves when they hear it again. <laughs> and um, I don't even remember how I came across it, but this is like, this song is like summers in Miami, 
radio windows down like you know that's that's really what it is um for me it's like I'm, i was in you know middle school or high school and this is what was on the radio and so my parents were listening to and i probably resented it at the time but now i love it it's basically the story <laughs> i i was talking a little bit off mic about how this is one of the songs that contributed to my teen queer awkwardness because oh this is God. one of the songs that was at, at the time where like all the kids in school were entering that age of like partner dancing yeah. whether it was mm-hmm. merengue bachata and i remember i was like I, I could merengue because merengue is very easy. It is very easy. It's, they they, so they easy. teach you, like, just pretend you're sweeping. Yeah. I used to know how to do that. Just a one, exactly. two, just one, like, two. Yeah. yeah, merengue is the easiest, yeah. But, like, salsa, that's footwork. Uh-huh. And I don't, uh-huh. as an adult, I don't have that. Yeah. I'm like, even if I wanted to, I don't I'm have trying. that. So I'm trying. I'm working on it. But, yeah, it's hard. It's hard, right? Yeah. It's hard stuff. And everybody's like, it's in your blood. I was like, girl, I don't, what blood? <laughs> I'm a blue blood, Haney. <laughs> My no, my father's like Cash amazing. credit score. My father and my grandfather are both amazing salseros, so I do feel like there's this reputation. But I didn't get. To, I like to lead, and I definitely didn't get taught to lead. And so it's been like this queer rediscovery to figure out how to learn how to dance That's and amazing. learn how to lead. And there's been some good opportunities, but yeah. That's like, amazing. I well, I think we're gonna shift uh, crazy musical perspectives here, <laughs> um, like because, <laughs> and, and like this is what I love so much. It's just like you guys are so so different, so different. So we 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 should have a proper intro for you, Vero, because you're from Venezuela. Yes, yes, I'm from Venezuela. Um, that's where I grew up. Um, I came to the United States when I was twelve. Um, and Earth, they're almost 13, and it was sort of like a rough time. Can't remember the time because my parents moved to Minnesota, which, whoo, that, that transition was rough. But thankfully, I've mostly blocked it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> hashtag trauma. I heard Vin- but, Minnesota was actually pretty nice, though, no? Minnesota's nice, yeah. I just like, it's, nice. ve- it's very white. Oh, whoops. It's very white and it's very, um, like culturally, it's obviously super different Mm. from Venezuela. Um, it's Minneapolis is a really lovely place and it's actually rather diverse. I was in a suburb of Minneapolis, Mm. so it was not very diverse. Um, but yeah, shout out Minnesota. Pretty good. If it's good enough for Prince, it's good enough for anybody. Okay. So, um, speak that word. Yeah. I mean, I saw Prince once at a gas station. Stop so it. that's, that was the Minnesota privilege. What was he wearing? Okay. Let me tell you, he was wearing the princiest thing yeah. of all time. First of all, what I noticed first was the car in a gas station in Edina, Minnesota pulls up a baby pink Lexus with gold accents. I was like, well, what the <laughs> fuck kind of specific paint job is this? What year was this? I need to know. It was, I'm going to say like 1998, well, 9. Okay. 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 Um, so late 90s, baby pink uh, Lexus with gold accents. And out comes this woman. It's like, okay, this woman. And then out comes a person that's obviously Prince, right? He was wearing high-waisted, stretchy, purple bell-bottoms. Same. And why is that what I was picturing? Because it's like the most princey thing he could possibly he wear. He was the purple one. He was wearing like these boots underneath that were healed. He was like healed boots. Like you do. And he was wearing like a shirt with like puffy 
uh, front, like, you know, like the Seinfeld puffy shirt. Oh my God. Like ruffles and stuff. Ruffles oh. at the front with like a brooch right here. I just like remember it like it was yesterday with a brooch right at the neck and long sleeves. Wow. And he must've been on the way to the gig or he something. He was just like, he looked like he was fucking Prince, but he was at the gas station no, getting this is snacks. Definitely just and I was what like, Prince wears on a casual afternoon. You are wearing on a Sunday getting snacks at the gas station. Let it me get was, some Takis. Amazing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. That's so. legendary. So at what point um, did Minnesota living transition into the Vero that we know today? So um, I left Minnesota to go to school um, and I went to school in Wisconsin at the time that I um, that I was applying to colleges. I did not have a green card. So um, I was only applying to places that would give me state tuition. And because okay. I lived in Minnesota, then... Um, because I lived in Minnesota, then Wisconsin would give me in-state tuition too. So I went, uh, I went to Wisconsin. I went to college there, and then I moved to New York in 2006. Um, so I mean, it's somewhere in there, the Minnesota Vero turned into the Vero that I am today, which is, I guess, New York Vero. So I want to ask you about Teen Vero because oh the, the song that we're about to play is. Um, it's it's best Shakira. Um, <laughs> yes. This is black hair Shakira. Um, this we're gonna listen to Inevitable off the legendary uh, Donde Están los Ladrones. It's Twenty years old. OMG. You know that's the first piece of music I ever purchased with my own money. It's <sighs> yes. I bought it on ca- on cassette at a gas station at an ESO. Oh um, my god! I wow. played her. Oh. <laughs> yes, um, bitch, that table was probably wonky. <laughs> so were you were you like black haired Shakira or did you aspire to be when you were oh, like a teenager? Absolutely. She was a fucking hero because I um you know, I really did not identify with all the kids that were in Minnesota and I was looking for like something, like some kind of like alternative something. And um at the time Minnesota didn't have like an actual hip hop station, at least where I lived, one didn't come in. Um, so I was like, I don't want to listen to the pop. So I was like, I'm going to listen to the rock. And then, um, I had like a few Latina friends and like, and I either through trips through Venezuela or with, with my Latina friends, I would listen to Shakira. And it was so cool to see this, like this mujer Latina who was like, writing songs and playing guitar and like, you know, just like being part of that moment. So I really, um, I really identified with that and I like got a guitar and, you know, like played this song probably. And, and I just, I just fucking loved it. I like saying this, I got the unplugged, which I loved also, you know, absolutely legendary. Um, so yeah, so that that's very very teen Vero. You know, I like like I got into I was sort of into like the the rock and roll scene, which you know will um you will see also from my next teen Vero pick, which yeah. is really something. I can't wait. All right, so uh, let's listen to that now. Again, this is uh, Inevitable by Shakira, and we'll be back with more Radio Meneo. No entiendo de fútbol Creo que alguna vez fui infiel Juego mal hasta el parque Jamás uso reloj Y para ser más franca Nadie piensa en ti Como lo hago yo Aunque te dé lo mismo
confesar Nunca duermo antes de diez Ni me baño los domingos La verdad es que también Lloro una vez al mes Sobre todo cuando hay frío Conmigo nada es fácil Ya debes saber Me conoces bien El cielo está cansado ya
so we were, we were just talking about like black haired Shakira. What was it like to watch her evolution from the United States? Oh my God. Well, it was really wild because, um, because obviously I knew Shakira when she was black haired Shakira, AKA the only Shakira, AKA the best Shakira. Hello. But, um, I thought, I don't know. I feel like at the time when she, um, when she started doing English language stuff, I, um, I didn't feel like, I still feel this way that her, at least like Donde Están Los Ladrones era Shakira wasn't, was, is very poetic in her writing and like her poetry does not translate well. That's very true. You know, it's like, it sounds like sort of weird and awkward. Like the thing about her titties being like mountains. (laughs) It's like, that's probably sounds, it sounds poetic in Spanish, but it sounds weird in English. Um, but, um, mountain titties though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shout out, (laughs) shout out mountain titties. But, um, but so I thought that that was a little bit awkward. And then I felt like it was a little weird to see her go pop, you know, um, which now as like, I'm like older and wiser, I love a lot of pop music, but, Mm. but, but back then I was sort of like, you know, like, why pop even though Shakira's always sort of been pop right like she's always been mainstream it's never like she was very alternative but um it was a little weird to be like oh you're blonde and you're like have lost a lot of weight and that's what's that about and how are your hips doing that yeah yeah (laughs) but also hips don't lie is a great song oh my god one of the best it is hips don't lie is the best non-black hair Shakira song okay uh I mean I I still stand for she-wolf Oh um, my god! You I, don't. Well, well, Loba specifically, Loba. I, I, it's Loba. funny because like oh, yeah. I like I, I still do that. I still do. Oh. Um, but like it, it's weird because there are some like like Waka Waka. I actually prefer in English than than to Spanish. Uh, uh-huh, but like uh-huh. Loca or Loba, I I that has to be in Spanish. Yeah, like, for me, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like there are like a hand like two or three yeah. that I will prefer in English, but it's. It's such an, an, an inferior, like, my, like, is yes. No. I mean, I, I do have to say, I love hips don't lie. Mm. I love hips don't lie. It's like, hips it also doesn't help. Like, I think I've always loved hips don't lie, but then I have, um, uh, I have a good friend who is who does queer country and has a, a band called My Gay Banjo. Work. Um, and <laughs> they they have a song there. They have like a signature song called My Gay Banjo. And in it, they like work a little bit of like hips don't lie into this like queer country song. I know them. <laughs> I know them. I've seen them. In Highly recommend. Also, it is yes. chef kiss dot gif. Yes. <laughs> Um, well, I want to also talk about the second song we heard because past tense. Yeah. Um, uh, this is Wake Up by Rage Against the Machine. Oh, my God. This is telling me so much about Teenage Vito right now. <laughs> wow. This wow. is the imagery I needed. I'm like, I'm seeing like, you know, uh, Tim's or some other steel toe boot. Yeah. I'm seeing a wide legged jean. Big chunky boots. <laughs> definitely like wide legged or like bell bottomed yes. pants. Definitely like a corduroy blazer uh-huh, uh-huh. involved. Um, I was, I think that like, I loved this angry music mm-hmm. and Rage Against the Machine also sort of like, was like f- my first sort of like foray into music that spoke about social justice at all. Okay. But most importantly, this movie, this, um, 
song was on the soundtrack to The Matrix, the original movie, and I was so fucking into this. I was never goth, but I like low key wanted to be. And The Matrix was like, oh my God, a treat for like visual. And also, like, I thought it was like super deep, which, like, I don't know. I've watched it recently and it, it holds up. It still holds up. It holds up. Did you see that that um that picture of like Troy Sivan and like uh Charlie XCX as dressed as like Neo and Trinity? Oh my god, I didn't. I I mean, I'm not exactly like a huge fan of theirs, but I was like that picture was brilliant. They were like wearing latex head yes, to toe. Yeah, I mean, those latex outfits were hot as fuck. I was like, "Wake up. This is all an illusion." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um well, so this tells me a lot, but also I have questions like, you know, did Rage Against the Machine like influence your political outlook? Like, what was it actually? Because, like, you know, you know, some of the first political music we're exposed to does end up shaping us a lot. And I'm wondering if it did, because, like, you know, people some people might roll their eyes at Rage Against the Machine now, but I'm wondering. Oh, yeah. No, back then, I feel like Rage Against the Machine made me aware about sweatshops. You okay. know, they made wow. me aware about, you know, like because they're always like they're always sort of like bringing up um so the ways that the global South is subjugated mm. by the United States. And I think that as an immigrant, I was really like woken up to that sort of stuff by, by, by rage against the machine. So I think I would say, yes, I would say that it did shape the beginning of my political outlook. Um, it sort of primes me for like my real politicizing moment, which was nine 11. Right. I right. think that like, that was like a huge moment where I like saw the ways that like us foreign policy sort of dictated a lot of fucked up shit about the world. Um, but so it, it, it sort of primed me for that. But, um, but mostly in this moment when I was listening to this, I was just like, I love the matrix. I think this is amazing. I love that. Like it was also such a diverse movie. Like there were a lot of characters of color that had a lot of depth in it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I didn't see that a lot in movies that I was watching at the time. Like what, like Titanic? I don't know. Um, and so, uh, Titanic so, was totally about the political systems that bind us. Um, I mean, it sort of was, <laughs> it had a strong class consciousness, strong class so, analysis. I mean, Draw me like one of your capitalist there good, paradigms. There was yes. a hot sex scene in a car. So <laughs> yes. Uh, wait, oh, like, was, the other day I was in a steam room and I like, it was like, I had a glass uh -huh. door and I was like, oh, ah! I put my hand on it. Like, you know, is we someone, all did that in the show after the is show. Someone <laughs> in rage against the machine, Latino. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Zach Delaroca and the other members. Yeah. I had no idea. Um, but I feel like this is a really great transition point into maybe not necessarily current, but but uh, I do want to talk a bit a little bit about what you guys do off the podcast because mm -hmm. you're both not just very political people, but you literally work in policymaking and other like activist causes. Yeah, so I want to yeah. talk a little bit about that that work that you do. Yeah, I mean, so Beres and I met at a Latina Reproductive Justice Organization. Shout out National Latina Institute for Reproductive Health. Um, they're still around, still doing their thing. And um, Beres was an organizer there, and I was um, at the time a policy intern. I went on to become um, an employee and do policy work there. But um, but yeah, so we we do we started sort of like in reproductive justice movements, but. 
Um, but you know, so not just doing reproductive health and rights stuff, but also thinking about like, what does that mean for, what does reproductive health mean for LGBTQ people? What is, what does reproductive health access look like for immigrants, you know? And like, what does it look like for like the fullness of like a Latina experience? Right. Um, which means like a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Right. What does it mean for people who live in rural places? What does it mean for, you know, all these different sets of conditions of people's actual lived experiences? Um, and as, since then we've like both gone on to do all sorts of types of political work from, um, you know, LGBTQ liberation to, you know, police, um, violence work and, um, all sorts of stuff. But this is in like the wellness and, um, and healing space these days. And, um, yeah, it's like sort of like the bread of butter, bread and butter of, my every day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But as I, I actually, I really did want to ask you about yeah. that because again, like the whole healing and wellness thing, like right. I know that you, you write a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, again, we were talking yeah. about how your, your plant Instagram and all that, like, <laughs> I feel like you're very, very connected to so, sort of the spiritual or universal mm-hmm. energy. Um, but what can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, my path, I actually started out, um, really the origin, I think in college, I became a doula which Mm. is a person who like supports people during pregnancy and childbirth from a more, um, not like a medical perspective, but just kind of like a support person. So I think that really got some of my roots in that world of like wanting to be connected to like health and wellness and figure out how to kind of help people deal with, um, difficult institutions and also just like challenging times and processes. So that was some of my roots. And then that, you know, I, then I was doing like Beto said, this reproductive justice organizing really focused mostly on like access to abortion, but from like a pretty broad perspective and started applying some of the doula skills into that realm and doing doula support for people having pregnancies and um, having abortions and miscarriages. And then, I mean, I can talk for hours, but it's like a a little bit of a winding path, but writing has been like a big focus of my, um, I think in some ways, like policy has been a big focus of Veto's career. Writing has been Mm -hmm. a big focus of mine. And so for the last like five or so years, I've, a bulk of my work has been um, as a freelance journalist writing for mostly like online lefty publications about the intersections of mostly race, health, and gender. So I write a lot about maternal health. I write a lot about the impact of racism on health. Um, So there's different kind of play, ways that plays out in my professional life. I'm not really an organizer anymore. And then I also wow. became a massage therapist a couple of years ago. Um, I like to have a lot of hustles. I don't know what I can say, but um, so a couple of days a week I do, I see clients for massage. And then that has also given me other avenues into kind of thinking about how to support yeah, our healing and our wellness, our well-being. So plants have become a big part of that for me. Not necessarily herbs, although I love herbs, but actually just like living and caring for live plants as like a part of health and wellness. So that's another thing I'm exploring. So I have a lot of interests. I like to turn my hobbies into hustles. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's a little bit of kind of where I've landed. That's amazing. So, um, okay, cool. Well, uh, you know, um, we're definitely going to talk a little bit about uh, a little bit more about the work that you do, um, but I don't want it all to pool in this one section. So let's transition over to some music. Now I got college bitters ahead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you, yeah, I have a, I have an Angel y Cris song mm-hmm. uh, that you were like that. I'm, I'm kind of excited to play. Yeah. Uh, what can you tell us about Ben Bailalo? 
So in 2004 or five, I spent like four months in Ecuador. It's like a study abroad. And that was um, a beautiful time because it was also when reggaeton was really kind of having a, I think, an international immersion kind of moment where it was just mm-hmm. spreading pretty wildly. And so I remember being in the clubs um, in Quito and hearing this music for the first time, basically. I didn't, you know, I, there was no reggaeton in my childhood. And, um, and I was just immediately hooked. So this is one of the songs that kind of... I, I learned about in that era and there's an album it's like a, a reggaeton mix album called Caribe 2005 and this is one of the songs and like I reference it all the time because there's like 20 tracks on it and they all become like really they became some of my faves and um, and it's been interesting to watch these artists now I mean Angel y Cris are still doing their thing so this is just like early days reggaeton but it's just a great truly the gift that kept, that keeps on I mean, giving <laughs> seriously I seriously it's kind of ridiculous I'm like a broken record but but this is just one of those that makes me want to dance, you know? I mean, it's as simple as that. Awesome. All right, so let's listen to that now. Again, this is Angel y Cris. The song is Ven Bailalo, and we'll be right back with more Radio Menea.
siempre tú me esquivas de alguna manera Si te busco por aquí, me sales por allá Lo único que yo quiero, no me hagas sufrir más tú second track we just heard there is a classic of salsa by Oscar de Leon called Llorarás. And now this is this is um, this is your track, Vero. This is my track. I, I thought I'd throw in a little so surprise. Good. This so is good. a total like Perez track as well. Yeah, yeah, I know. I totally agree. Our Venn diagram includes reggaeton and salsa, I think. Right? Yeah, it's true. I see it's that. True. So, I mean, basically, when I left Venezuela, I was too young for like the couple dancing situation mm. to happen that you were talking about. Um, and then I would come back some summers sometimes and, um, and my cousins would try to teach me to dance and it was like always a fail because they like tried for like two minutes and you can't learn salsa in two minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
in when I was in Minnesota, I um, with my friend Paola, I would go to this salsa club every single Monday, which was the night that Latinos got in Minnesota and you know, the year 2000, (laughs) but so I would go to salsa night and it was like sort of the beginning of my, um, Shakira was one of like, not a bunch. I had like a handful of Latino artists that I listened to. Um, but, um, the the salsa Vero era was when I was always going to the club to learn and then dance. Um, I would, it was sort of like the beginning of an awakening around like music, Latino music again, like and more like salsa and merengue and bachata. And I was like getting familiar with that sort of stuff. And um, so I loved salsa dancing and I loved it. This was like always a classic. Oscar de Leon is from Venezuela. So, oh, is he? Yes, he's Venezolano. So I always loved that. And then I saw him live there once. He like played our club and it was like just great to like dance to live Oscar de Leon, you know, <laughs> just wild. It was such a different experience for me than what like like a metal show, which is what I was used to going to <laughs> at that time, you know. <laughs> So now if this comes on at, at the clear or wherever you are at the house party, will you throw down? Oh, hell yeah, hell I'll throw yeah. down. <laughs> hell yeah, I'll throw down. I'm starting actually to think that I should maybe take um, some salsa lessons, not mm. because like at first I was like, I'm too, I was like, I'm too proud to take salsa lessons. I was like, I know how to dance, but I feel like that's how you actually get into like a salsa community. So I feel okay. like I want to like take some lessons, like re-up my skills and like get into like the dancing again because it's just so much fun and it's like the best workout does your boo salsa as well no she no. doesn't she's not much of a dancer but she's like <laughs> um you know she's like cursed white. with like the yeah she's cursed with the like she was she's white and she had hippie parents you know mm. which like hippies are not known for their moves i mean no. you know they they, are, they, they, they have moves it's just it's, mm. they're Trans- not really always related to rhythm yeah, yeah. yeah. They're related to the Dancing. energy of the universe yeah well, you know it's if like, you're if you're looking for dance partners um you know you can always just go to bembe and people won't let you not dance mm. yes that's true i should i should Absolutely. If do you're that. down to dance with dudes, right? I mean, it's yeah, I'm down that. to dance with dudes. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, well, so I, I, you know, um, talking about um, <laughs> the maybe awkwardness of partner dancing for queer people, mm. um, I, I feel like this is because. We're probably gonna pl- we're gonna play a track next that is uh, by queer people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so before talking about that, I, you know. Um, we are part of uh, uh, Song Mess and Radio Mania are part of the hashtag Support Brown Podcasts mm-hmm. uh, family of people, and I and I've actually I said this once to to the the Latinos who lunch boys. I was like, it's really cool. Like I know, obviously, by no means are we a majority uh, among Latinx podcasts or whatever, but within this little family, most of us are queer. Yeah, and that's really cool. Yeah, it's just like happens to be who's doing the thing, who's like. You know who brings the culture, and I was and I was curious about how um, you navigate sort of uh, be it identity or sexuality um, as people in media. Let's mm. let's say that. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, I feel like I tend to be pretty open about it. I um, I think that because um, 
because of the time that we're alive, it's never felt like, Mm. um, it's never felt like a huge deal to me. And, um, when I started writing and doing sort of cultural critique, I did more political writing and, um, and feminist writing. So I think that that was always a part of, um, of the analysis that I bring. And now I just don't know how to turn it off. Right. So like Rayo Mane is not a political podcast, right? Like we're like just a music podcast, but we like bring like political stuff into it all the time just because it's just like the way that we see the world and same, I feel like the same with my queerness, right? Like it's something that I can't turn off. It's like, everything is through the lens of who I am. Right. And that's one part of it. Right. And it's something that's shaped my life a lot. Right. In terms of the culture that I consume and what I look for. Um, and, and yeah, totally. Cool. Um, Betis, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, interesting. Cause like I'm, I'm, you know, I make most of my living as like a freelance journalist and maybe you all can relate to this as like journalists yourselves too. But, you know, I think there's a lot of places or ways in which I basically couldn't write because I'm not seen as like objective. And like part mm. of that is just like my life is very political because like who I am is political. You know, it's like hard to imagine trying to like live a different way or express my views a different way. I also came up through blogging, which was very much about opinion and perspective. And so, but I do do reporting, like not all of my writing is opinion writing, you know, a lot of most of my writing actually these days is not opinion writing. It's reporting. um, And it's about other people's perspectives and like a a situation, not about how I think about an issue. But um, I don't know. I think a lot about like this idea of objectivity in journalism. And I think that really requires like a very mainstream identity that is not politicized just based on who you are. Um, And then there's also the interesting thing about being on the internet, right? Where it's like, if your byline is what leads, so it's like your name so that, you know, can racialize Mm. you, but it doesn't necessarily reveal like who you are to a deeper extent. But then there's like social media, which adds a whole layer of like, here's what I look like and here's what my life looks like. And I think that's really necessary in this sort of journalism of today and the way that I do it, because you have to kind of bring your own audience and your own following. And so people want to follow you because you tell them who you are and what your life is like. And so I don't know. There's like a lot of different aspects about about living this sort of like semi-public life in like a very small, right, you know, right, corner of right. the internet where people know like our podcast or know like the writing I've done. Um, it has a lot of like complicated um, dynamics to it, but I'm also grateful because like I wouldn't be able to do what I do in like the journalism of 15 years ago. Like there just wouldn't there wouldn't be a space for like the kind of work that I do or my voice, you know. Um, at the risk of this being the probably the heaviest point of the show, um, <laughs> I am curious, again, you know, uh, working in policy work or working mm-hmm. in reporting, um, I am curious how you've seen uh, your work, whether uh, whether it's the context that it lives in or the meaning behind it or the drive behind it, um, how it may has maybe has changed or been affected by the political, social times that we live in right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that in a lot of ways, it's um, my work is really, in a, you know, for policy work, it, a lot of a lot depends on who's in power and the way that I organize that we organize it depends on um, on who's in power and what um, what we're able to whether we're, you know, working to win something or like working to defend things that we've already won. So it really shapes a lot of my work on that end. Um, and which is why, you know, I just think it's so important to like, even though 
I feel like voting is not our most, our best tool, you know, like it like changes the conditions under which I can do my work, right? Like it makes a difference between whether I'm defending stuff that, um, that we've already won or whether we're trying to actually, um, improve stuff for people. Right. It's like just like one tool, but it makes a big deal. It makes a big difference. So shout out, you know, I hope you voted if you're, if this is coming after. Yeah, this will come out. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope you voted. If not, I hope you vote in the future. Um, if you can and want to, um, but, uh, so yeah, in a lot of ways it's really, um, dependent on that. And I think part of the reason why we made Radio Menea is we wanted something that was outside of that because that's mm-hmm. so intense, right? And it's like somewhere, it's a project that's creative and that we can go to that isn't about news or, right. you know, or politics or that sort of heaviness. And I feel like, mm-hmm. and it's just more about like music and joy. And yeah. so in that sense, like... Um, you know, if obviously like the, it affects us, but it doesn't, but we try to make it a space where like we can disengage from that because we're so engaged, um, in the rest of our lives. I, I was, I was talking off mic earlier about the dread that I felt, uh, coming back Mm -hmm. to the U S and just like this whole sort of like 24 hour, uh, cycle of news of stress of like, you know, the day to day, just like, Oh my God, this drama is happening. You know, um, has it, has it affected your work at all, Pettis? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, it's interesting because we started Rally Minute before Trump was elected. And it's not like shit was great then either, but it definitely has, has for me, like his election specifically, like really triggered a pretty deep um, depression, to be honest. And also just like really grappling with this idea of despair and like hope and what does it mean to try um, I'm like, a, I'm a great, like worst case scenario despair thinker. Like I'm mm. like, we're all fucked. Like that's what I think multiple times a day. And I just realized that like, I can't live like that. Like I just can't, it's just not, I'm not able to like, to do it. And so I had to make a lot of shifts in the, in this time. One of them was changing my work a lot. Like I was, I was in a job then where I had to cover the news and I did almost a year of that under Trump. And I was like, I fucking can't do this. Like I just cannot like troll the news every day, especially I was writing about like race and gender. I was like, I just can't do it. Like this is actually going to drive me insane. And so I had to quit that job and find a new um, writing gig that allowed me to be farther away from the news. So I'm not covering breaking news, but I'm still writing about these issues, but from a different lens. And then I've also just tried to focus a lot more on solutions. Like we know what the problems are a lot of times. So what are the, what are some of the answers? Like mm. who's already figuring out how to address this issue? Like, cause I don't think that, um, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. And there's a lot of people who are already making progress. They just don't necessarily get as much attention. And our news cycle, I think part of that, this thing you felt coming back, it's like our news feeds off of people's fears and feeds off of like yeah. that. We're all fucked kind of mentality. And so, it's not necessarily the stuff that gets the most clicks, but like it's the stuff that fuels me. So I've been trying to write more about people who are figuring out how to address some of the problems we're facing rather than just writing about the, um, yeah, writing about just the problem itself. And then, yeah, my, my like draw toward healing stuff, draw toward like, you know, um, those modalities draw toward like plants, all of that comes from my own, like very acute response to the, the environment that we're in and just being like, we got to figure out how to take care of ourselves and also, you know, fight what's happening and figure out um, how to shift the future. But if I don't have some sense of like hope, then I can't act. I'm just like, it just, I get paralyzed, you know? Yeah. So I really have to, that's been a, a huge part. And yeah, Rally Mena has been such a beautiful, um, joyful thing to do. And also given us a platform to respond when things have been like, it was really important to me that we had this podcast. It was only like two months when like Pulse happened because it gave us this outlet Damn. to like, 
deal with our grief around it as like yeah. queer Latinx people. I had just been at like a Latinx pride party like three days before in DC. It felt very personal. And so we were able to, we were actually together coincidentally, like the week after we were able to like put together an episode and, and think about how music was sort of part of our mourning process. And I know a lot of people who are listening really appreciated that we had this venue that they could, um, you know, from a queer Latinx, like, perspective think about what this the meaning of something like that tragedy so it's been really um like life-giving to have this platform and and i never would have known you know i couldn't have seen that that was coming necessarily that's like um we were before we started recording we were talking about um the real meaning of certain words and how that's drifted and i feel like you know we were we were talking about like how the meaning of self-care has sort of um been uh diluted into oblivion but i feel like a lot of what you were talking about is what people really mean when they say self-care like right. if you can't do this job anymore find another right. job you right know, it's not about getting your nails done necessarily it's about yeah. like survival <laughs> right it's like how do you live your day to day life i mean if like getting your nails done feels good like great but it's not yeah it's not the only thing and and it's yeah it's about bigger like i'm yeah i'm writing and t- talking a little bit about cultivating optimism because it's been such an important part of like how i've survived in the face of like this kind of um sort of fear based climate and that's for me that's something that that i have to do but yeah you're right self care has been really co-opted but it's really much deeper than that well awesome um thank you for sharing your both of your thoughts on that um so um, uh, let's let's move on. Mas música. Uh, we're we're getting we're getting to to the end of the show. Um, uh, we're gonna play a song by Mula and Xiomara Fortuna. I I'm I I'm actually surprised that I didn't know about this song because oh, really it I'm, came out recently. Yeah. Oh my god. I mean. Oh yeah, because they were working on a video together. Is that out? Yes. Yet? I don't think the video is out. Okay. No. Um, because I I actually had the chance both to interview Mula when I was in DR and to meet Xiomara Fortuna. Yeah. Who is like a legend who I'd never heard of. Oh, before. Yeah, she's legendary. I uh, met Xiomara, um, I want to say a couple of years ago in Houston, Texas, actually, because my, so in my day-to-day work, I, um, one of the things that where I'm doing my policy work now is through a firm that Mm -hmm. I, um, uh, created and managed with my, with my business partner, Isha Pandit. So we have an intersectional policy firm and her partner is, um, a professor uh, in in Houston, and um, Rachel does work on um, on racial identity and mixed race identity. And Siomara was part of this documentary on Cimarron, on Cimarronaje oh. um, in DR, which is um, um, maroon communities, um, free slave communities before slavery was over in in dr and she um so she was part of this and like she was talking about like cultural aspects so they screened the movie and i happened to be in houston at the time they screened the movie and siomara gave a talk and that's how um that's how i um found out about and met siomara and we had a dinner and she's i mean she's a, she, yeah she truly is a legend yeah. um there and it's when i saw that siomara and mula were working together i was so happy i was like this is perfect in so many ways um and so and you know and this is um i think i say this a lot on on our podcast i feel like there's a few bands out there that i feel like they like ripped open my soul and took a look and were like this is the exact music that i feel like 
you know how like there's like these Instagram ads where like we're gonna formulate a vitamin that's just for you. Like I feel like <laughs> this is like music that's just for me. Like I feel like Mula like got into my head and we're like, oh, what does Veronica want? This is what Veronica wants. <laughs> Even though it's obviously not, it's just what they want. But <laughs> I mean, they've definitely been instrumental in sort of like opening up my heart to reggaeton and dembo. Like yeah. they have really like of the ten reggaeton and dembo songs that I have in my iTunes, like it's because of Mula that I'm like, okay, I'll give this a chance because yeah. this is actually really rad. Yeah, and Mula are just like they're just amazing, and Siomara also is just like such a fucking talent, and to see them working together was uh, I'm so I was so pleased. I saw them like on Instagram, um, you know, posting things together, and I was like, oh my god, I hope that this uh, this works out. So I got to take a trip to the DR. Um, Rachel wants me to do like a tour so I can like yes. you know talk to all of these folks about music and and you know they have like feminist encuentros and stuff, and we oh god, uh, we met Mula together <laughs> yes. we met Mula together at um at Bodega Island um or maybe you knew them before but I had never met them and so we like had a chance to chat and it was really um they're all just like super sweet and just make some of my favorite music so this is very current Beto awesome well so yeah let's go ahead and listen to that now again this is Aguaitama 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 uh this is a Mula featuring uh Siomara Fortuna and we will be right back with more Radio Menea Quiero que me lleve, quiero que me lleve. Fúndete, 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 fúndete. Quiero que 
amo es complicado Pensar como te pienso es un pecado The second song we just heard there is uh, Darte un Beso by Prince Royce. Now, Perez, this is this is your choice. This mm-hmm. is your pick. Yep. Um, tell us a little bit about this track. Yeah. I mean, I love bachata. I did not grow up with it. Um, I mean, it was kind of just coming up, really, when I was a kid, right, in some ways. And, and not definitely hadn't made it really out of the DR in a, in a significant way. But I fell in love with um, with bachata through prince ray so that's part of why like he's one of my favorites and is always going to be part of my story um mm. and then i've now i've gotten into you know more of sort of the classic bachata and some of the old school bachateros and you know he's a little bit poppy uh, i've definitely gotten some shade from dominicans for liking prince royce but um yeah I you, just, you mentioned he was a bit controversial because yeah. he's kind of like a 
like he's a youngin, like a, I guess. He's a youngin. He's new. He's a little poppier. You know, people have feelings about it. I get it. I mean, and I love the like the sort of old school bachata bachateros like Zacarias Ferreira. I mean, there's so many amazing bachateros, so I get it. And I'm I mm. won't, you know, I don't have any feelings about about Dominicans with who have opinions about my love of Prince Royce, but I'm super cheesy. I love to dance bachata. I love, love, love dancing bachata. It's something I've had to learn as an adult and kind of teach myself. And then I've started taking some, there's some queer bachata classes actually in DC, which is pretty amazing. So Whoa. I've been learning more. I know. So I don't know. It's just, and I saw him in concert live in Virginia, like with this album, you know, a handful of years ago. And it was just, I don't know. I just like love everything about it. So, you know, it's, it's Whereas, just a part of my um, cheesiness. Speaking of the new wave of bachata, um, what are your feelings on Leslie Grace? I like her. I like her. I mean, I think the, I mean, there's not that many women in bachata, so I appreciate her for that reason. And then there's an interesting, I mean, trend that she's part of too, with this, like taking these like 1950s, like American classic songs and then remaking them into these bachata um, originals, mm-hmm. which I really I'm love. And she's kind got of a, a sucker for that. Yeah. Couple. Yeah. I mean, I'm into it. I'm totally into it. I think it's, it's really cute. I think it's really cute. So, and yeah, there's so few women in bachata. I will give a shout out to Andre Velos, who's like a New York um, Dominican, a woman based in New York who's a bachatera and kind of. I think she's actually based in DR. Oh, is she? Yeah. Okay. She's there. Okay. All right. Um, my bad. But yeah, she was on a podcast in New York, which was why I thought that. Um, hmm. I thought she was in New York too. But really? Maybe I th- not. I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, this is not my genre at all. Yeah. No, I think she's in New York. I think she's in New York, but she's definitely she has, Dominican. She's definitely Dominican. Yeah, she's Dominican. Yeah, she has so, a song that's like about not leaving the house. Yeah. She's like, if you want to come party, come to my house. Uh-huh. It's like yeah. a washed anthem. Yeah. <laughs> Same. So yeah, I love I love women bachata for sure, and I would love to see more. I know it's it, it has an interesting history too. But by the way, I don't know if I, I I mean y'all probably know because y'all listen to this music and I don't. But like Romeo Santos actually has like a like a queer anthem. He does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I I, and I, I so remember when I heard that I was like, excuse me. Oh, I mean, we could all get to wish, but I until know. until the pics are on Tumblr. I know. Um. I know. But he doesn't have like a public girlfriend. You know, it's interesting, right? Either does Prince Royce. Like you wonder sometimes um, about what the what the deal is, and like. Balvin. I mean, there's a lot of these guys who are big in the Latinx music scene who aren't necessarily like out there with women on their hands. But you I know. could see Bunny one day be like, "Yeah, I did it." So <laughs> yeah, I tried it. I tried it. But yeah, yeah Romeo Santos got like a lot Bunny of shit is for that definitely song. Bi, which adds to my crush factor. Uh, yeah, I feel, I feel like like Bad Bunny is sort of like 2018 Latino has the has the David Bowie energy of like of like back of the sixties. Yeah. Yeah, I bet like Bad Bunny would like sleep with a dude and be like, yeah, whatever. And everybody's like, oh shit, well, Bunny doing it. I'm, and I'm gonna be like, hee hee hee. I'm here to help. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so we are uh, reaching the end of the show now. Um, uh, you know, first of all, I wanna thank you both for being a part of this messy, ridiculous oh fun my God. show. Thank you so much for having us. It's been so fun. I'm sorry. Um, I didn't realize I was bringing music that's so outside of your world. So I hope you. No, please. I appreciate. I, no, I mean, (laughs) like I, every time somebody brings the kind of shit that I wouldn't bring in, it makes me so happy Okay. because it's just like, it keeps us interesting. It keeps us young and fresh. Um, Pat that in the under eye area. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So can you tell us a little bit about uh, um, where, well, tell our listeners, because I already know where uh, (laughs) they can find you on social media, where they can listen to Radio Menea. 
Yeah, we're just at Radio Menea everywhere. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we have a website, we're on all the places you listen to podcasts. So if you just Google loca, it's a borrow phrase from Latinos who lunch. Shout out. We're just mm-hmm. Radio Menea everywhere you look. So uh, definitely follow us. We um, we love, love, love our listeners and we would love for you to join us. We think that if you listen to the song mess, you will have something to gain from listening to us. Too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. For sure. And yeah, we're on, you know, we're on Apple podcasts and basically everywhere. Um, are you so guys on subscribe. Spotify? We're not. Not That's on the Spotify. One place we have not been able to get yet, and you are not I there wonder- either, right? I wonder if it's because we play music. I, yeah, like, that's, that's my theory. Yeah, yeah, that's my theory too. Because yeah. like I think that yeah, obviously like there's a certain play amount that they probably want to clear before yeah. you get. Yeah, but we're we're there. Yeah, we're yeah. there. Yeah, I yeah. Think I, I think it's the music. Exactly. That's what that's why I think. And I'm like, you know what? That when I came to that realization, I was like, I, I also yeah. like made my peace with it. I'm like, eh, yeah, I don't think it's meant for us. Yeah. Um. Very cool. Um. Is there any? Uh. I know that you're both pretty private people i don't know if you want to plug your own social media or if there's any projects that you'd like to um plug like where you do your writing or certain organizations that you think people should be supporting right now yeah sure why not i um on both uh twitter and on instagram am vero con platanos and um those are both open so you can feel free to follow me there specifically on twitter i um you can find me because i do some writing um, some some music journalism, some other writing sometimes, and um, so, some political analysis, some jokes. Um, on Instagram, it's mostly selfies, tbh. So some good great selfies. selfies. She takes great Thank selfies. You. Yeah, yeah, she does. She really that does. liner is always really winged, does. ready to fly away from all the bullets. <laughs> there's, there's, sharp, there's some thirst know? traps. There's some thirst traps on video. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yes, for sure. <laughs> um, Definitely. So you know, if that's yeah. your bag. Yep. Yep. And what yeah, about you, Pettis? Yeah, I'm I'm actually not private at all. I mean, I feel like that's part of the world we're in, right? So, um, yeah, maybe you can put some links in the show notes. But I'm I'm um, Miriam Z Pettis on Instagram and on Twitter, um, so you can follow me there. And then also my website, same URL, um, is where you can find kind of about my writing. And I have a newsletter awesome. if folks really want to know what I'm putting out. There's like a monthly newsletter where I I let folks know what I've been writing. Well, sweet. Well, tell us about your plant Instagram. Oh yeah, yes, please. Thank you. Sorry, and I have a houseplant Instagram called Houseplant Parenthood. Um, so yes. all one word, no underscores. Yeah. So if you want to like learn a lot about houseplant care, and then sometimes Veto's amazing plants get featured too, because <laughs> she has an amazing houseplant game as well. Um, yeah, follow me. Follow me there. It's it's fun. Awesome. Well, we are Song Mess on everything. Uh, that's uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all at Song Mess. Uh, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud, uh, and just Google us. I, I think we're also like on a bunch of like random pirate platforms. So, um, And if you want us to send you stickers or you know some good music we should listen to, you can email us at songmess. Song Miss Music. Song Miss Music at gmail.com. That's correct. Yes. um, One last plug. Mm -hmm. We have a little tienda. We have some merch that we created designed by Veto. Um, Oh my God. Yes. You should check out our tienda. Maybe we can give you a link, but it's also on um, radimania.com. There's a tab that says tienda. And we've got some stickers. We got a tote bag. We got a couple of pins, all original artwork designed by Veto. So check it out. 
and let us know. Are you team, fr- uh, are you, what is it, team feelings or, or team perreo? Uh-huh, uh-huh, exactly. Work. Um, and we also have a little online store that's, uh, you can find it at songmess.threadless.com. And we got t-shirts, sweatshirts, baby apparel, mugs, notebooks, legit. I'm not even joking. Everybody thinks I'm joking. It's all there. Yes. We're happy to sell out. Help us sell the fuck out because this hosting does not pay for itself. Mm. Um, so we've got one more song before we sign out. Uh, this is a Nikki Jam track. This is also your pick, Perez. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the song is Hasta el Amanecer. So what's tea with, with Miss Nikki? Mr. Nikki. <laughs> Nikki, Nikki, Mij- Nikki Mijam. Nikki Mr. Mijam. Miss, Mr. Nikki. Your, yeah, your lack of reggaeton interest is showing. Um, I would just say, I would, I mean, I, you know, this is like sort of more contemporary. He was doing the thing back in 2005 also, but I really love what he's doing these days. Kind of a little bit poppier sound. And this is just one that won't stop being kind of my jam. It's been a couple of years on rotation and I love it. And it's just, um, I think a good little earworm from kind of our our current era of pop reggaeton awesome all right well thank you so much for joining us vero valletti flores and miriam soyla perez you guys are the awesomest thank you for, having, for having us, us. shout out Adio hey. anything else to add beverlicia before we go happy halloween <laughs> oh it's halloween today y'all. it is halloween Ooh. today it's true can you hear the ghosts in the background? <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Uh, so again, this is Nikki Jam. The track is Hasta el Amanecer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you all next time. Bye. Hasta el amanecer Como tú te llamas Yo no sé Anda tan solita, ven, dale ahí, ahí, moviéndote eso pa' mí. Ni por ti, Dios, ni el país, ya vámonos de aquí. Que tengo algo bueno para ti, una noche de aventura hay que vivir. Óyeme ahí, ahí, mami, vamos a darle. Rumbiando y bebiendo a la vez. Tú tranquila que yo te daré una noche llena de placer. tú te llamas, yo no sé. Acercando hacia ti y te digo suave el oído Escúchame mami, yo te estoy queriendo Siento algo por dentro Y tú me dices, estás muy loco, deja eso Mami, yo te estoy queriendo Siento algo por dentro Me muero por llevarte Como tú te amas, yo no sé
Nicky, 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 yeah. 